Well, God has given us the ability to love one another. And that's very interesting, especially today. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembert. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. We're going through the Bible from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. We do that every year. Been doing that for 33 years. Very exciting. Today, Romans chapter 5. Now, we're going to read this and study it in about three minutes. So stay there. Corey and Ryan are here. Corey? Well, in Romans chapter 6, Paul uses what might be considered today an offensive analogy. We're going to talk about it. Ryan? All right. So one of the main thrusts in Paul's theology is that Jesus Christ is the last Adam. And he builds this theology on a very real and historical first Adam. We're going to talk about that a little bit later on. Very good. That is excellent. Janice? Today, the difference. All right, take your Bible guide and let's open up the most important book of all. That is the Word of God or the Bible. And let's listen to what God says. Romans 5, 1 through 11. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Romans chapter 5, 6, and 7 is what we handle today, and we focus on reading about what God has done. Paul's writing to the church at Rome. The believers there are inside the city that is the capital. And the benefits that we have as Christian, those who are forgiven of their sins and have been accepted by God into his kingdom, they are amazing. There is no better life than the life of a Christian who follows Jesus Christ. No better life. I mean, let me try to explain that. You see, Paul the Apostle explains these benefits in Romans 5 as justification, peace with God, God's grace, and the hope of the glory of God. As part of his theology, Paul tells us that we are now accepted by God 
through the blood of Jesus Christ, which was spilled for us on the cross at Calvary. When we become to Jesus or when we come to Jesus, most of us find that we experience a relief of guilt and a feeling of peace and joy. But these are only some of the amazing benefits of God. As we live and grow with the Lord, the Holy Spirit will help us know all of these blessings, but we need to take time to listen, time to read, and time to reflect. It's important that we understand this, and not everybody does. And when we become Christians, oftentimes we get ourselves staggered into this idea of performance. It's, it's like being born again. We have to kind of learn how to walk again. We have to learn how to talk again. We have to learn how to do things again. And then as we grow older, the food changes. If you take a child and you're feeding a child milk and then suddenly you start feeding him solids, you have to introduce it to the child carefully. And then when he gets older, he eats all kinds of meats and eats all kinds of vegetables because he understands how to eat. It's a simple pattern of how we grow in the Lord. That's important. Today, we're going to learn about the benefits. Take your Bible guide and turn to today's passage. It's important. If you don't have a Bible guide, call us or write us. But if you need to get the Bible guide quicker, go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com and click on the Bible guide page, and it'll take you to a donate page. Thank you so much for your donations. They're very meaningful and helpful, especially in this time. And then what, what happens is you simply, when you do that, takes you to a place where you can download it exactly how we printed it. So you're seconds away from joining us. Anyway, let's pray and ask the Lord to help us. Father, I pray today in the name of Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you would take the word and speak to our hearts so that we can hear you in a very special way. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, and we said together, amen. All right. Let's look at Romans chapter 5, verse 1, which says this. Therefore, having been justified by faith, by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to read that again. Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in the tribulations or in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Did you hear that? God has given us his love for others through the Holy Spirit. When we allow our spirits to focus on God and his spirit takes over, we see everything differently. Everything becomes different. In other words, we watch the news differently. We see things differently. Everything's not always a negative mess. Now, things are a mess, but we, we, all the Christians are watching everything going on in the world and saying, well, thank God I'm, I'm a Christian and I belong to the kingdom of God. Praise God! 
I'm happy too that I belong to the kingdom of God. All this is going to be straightened out. Let me tell you something. God's going to straighten it all out. So praise God. So we have to understand that when we allow the Holy Spirit to take over our thinking, things change. And it's good change. It truly is. Well, let's go on. Read some more. Five, six, and eight. Here's what it says. For when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely, or, or for scarcely for a righteous man will anyone die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own toward, love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In God's great and amazing love, Christ gave his life for our sins. Stunning. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Did you get that? While you and I were still sinners, while I was still a filthy sinner, Jesus Christ died for us and gave us new life in the name of Jesus Christ. If we would accept it, we have to accept it. Fortunately, I did. I would encourage you to accept Jesus Christ today. That's very important. And as we do so, things will change for us. And let me tell you something. This is a good day to do that, to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord. I'm not sure what you'd be hoping for if you didn't. So anyway, there you go. Romans chapter 5, verse 9. Here's what it says. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him, from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Did you get that? And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. This is amazing. As Christians or Christ's followers, we have avoided the wrath of God through Christ. We avoided it. Jesus died and came back to life for us. He made us new before God. Now, let me, under, let me help you understand this, I, because I gotta, every time I read this, I got to understand it. I come to Christ. He rose from the dead. That's my hope. So it means that I have the gift of eternal life because of what he did. There's no question about it. So my question to you is, what's your hope? You hope in AI, man-made stuff, flying to the stars, driving fancy electric cars? What's your hope? My hope is in Jesus Christ. And let me tell you something. There is no sin in the Lord. He is holy. And very soon. He's coming back. Come to Jesus. Come now. Pray to him. He will forgive you of your sins and he will make you a new person in his kingdom. Hi, Rod Hembry. We go through the Bible in one year. It's exciting. It's great. And you can join us by searching Bible Discovery TV on your phone. That's right. On your phone, your iPhone or your Android phone. 
And when you do so, you'll find the app. You can download the app and watch it anytime you want. Never miss a program right here on Bible Discovery TV. We'll see you there. So I want to focus today on something that Paul says in Romans chapter six. He uses slavery as an analogy. He talks about how we should be obedient like slaves to God. Uh, now, while this may be a bit of a, a trigger word for our, cult our culture today, I want to focus in on what kind of slavery was the cultural context that Paul was referring to. Take a look. The events and theology recorded in the New Testament of the Bible happened in the first century AD and in the vast area ruled by the Roman Empire. Naturally then, knowing the cultural backdrop of the Roman world is important to understanding many references and cultural allusions in the New Testament. One such issue is that of citizenship and slavery. There was a large status divide within Roman society between people who had Roman citizenship and those who were slaves. Roman elite society was largely sustained through slave labor, but this slavery should not be confused with its more modern forms. In the Roman Empire, slavery was not based off of culture, race, or the color of your skin. Slaves could be captured in warfare, born into slavery, or go into slavery due to criminal activity. People could also sell family members or themselves into slavery due to dire financial issues. The circumstances in which slaves lived varied drastically. Slaves serving a family in urban settings were said to be much better off, often living with their master families, having close relationships with them that could aid them in being granted positions of great authority within the family, or being given status as a freedman, a once slave turned free and given Roman citizenship. Slaves living in rural conditions on country estates and farms are spoken of in ancient literature as generally having more difficult lives. They were involved in physical labor and not in close proximity to their master or family and therefore didn't have the same access for relationship development and opportunities. While urban and rural contexts would have made a difference in the slave's life, the personality of their owner had an even larger impact. Slaves were entirely at the mercy of their owner's temperament, with legal protection favoring only the owner. Interestingly, going into Roman slavery was compared with death, because when you became a slave, all of your previous relationships and social ties were cut. Your marriage was nullified, family relationships severed, your businesses and partnerships ended, legal protection of your personhood was removed, anything that you did in your old life was gone and you now served your master with all of yourself. Roman slavery did not have to be permanent. Slaves could purchase or be granted their freedom and become freedmen. They were still required to pay respect to their former owner and work for them for a set time each year, but they could become legal citizens and rise quite high in Roman society. It's important to note, however, that just because the possibility for freedom was there did not mean that it was attainable for all or even most Roman slaves. 
Now, I think it needs to be said here that uh, Paul is utilizing a common cultural concept to uh, tell us how our attitude toward Christ should be. You know, it, it should be obedient like this. What he is not saying is that he endorses Roman slavery. He's definitely not endorsing uh, that at all, especially when you keep in context the rest of Paul's words throughout the New Testament. Specifically, I think uh, the book of Philemon really speaks to this issue where we've got an incident. We're going to get there as we read through the Bible. We have this incident of a slave who has run away from his master and has uh, talked to Paul about what's going on. And if Paul was pro-slavery, he would have said to Philemon, you know, go back and be a good slave. But instead, he writes to Onesimus, who's the owner of the slave, and he says, receive him back. Uh, but receive him not as a slave, but as a brother in Christ, as a co-heir uh, of heaven with you. That's just a thought that I want to push in there for you as we talk about things like Roman slavery. Yeah, you're getting into, that's excellent. You're getting into the December part. Uh, I know. That's really good. <laughs> Touching on it. Uh, fascinating stuff. Thank you, Corey. Ryan. All right. So today, of course, we do continue our reading through the amazing book of Romans penned by the Apostle Paul through the direction and inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you're familiar with Paul's books, you'll know that one of the main thrusts of his theology, particularly in Romans 5 and 1 Corinthians 15, is to establish Jesus Christ as the second Adam or the last Adam. He came to earth to do what the first Adam failed to do, which was to live a sinless life in complete obedience to God. Thus, his perfect sacrifice on the cross provided a way for us to have restored fellowship with our Creator. But all of this, of course, is based on a literal historical Adam. Now, sadly, there are some Christians today who are attempting to rewrite Genesis and make Adam figurative rather than a literal real person. Now, this idea stems from an acceptance of evolutionary theory, which doesn't allow for a biblical Adam. But I need to warn you that this is an extremely dangerous and 100% false teaching and really does horrific damage to the gospel. Because if Adam wasn't a real person and there wasn't a real fall which brought sin into the world, then first of all, Paul's teaching about Christ becoming the second Adam is meaningless. His comparison between Jesus and Adam requires that they both be real, literal people. Secondly, if there was no literal Adam and no literal fall that brought sin into the world, then what in the world did Jesus die for? No, Adam was a very real person in history, and today we're going to revisit that history. And to do that, we're going to go back to the very beginning, not according to the false history of evolution, but according to the Bible, according to the eyewitness testimony of the one who was there in the beginning. At the culmination of creation, after God had made the heavens and earth and all therein, he specially fashions beings in his own image, according to his likeness. Indeed, the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. This was Adam, the first man and progenitor of the entire human race. Fittingly, Adam means man, mankind, or humankind and is a wordplay on the Hebrew term for ground. Interestingly, though Adam has just been created, to an outside observer he would appear adult-like. Indeed, a certain level of physical maturity was necessary in order to be fruitful and multiply. Adam's ability to understand God's words and to communicate also illustrates that he possessed a level of mental maturity. Indeed, once placed in the Garden of Eden, 
God commands Adam that he may eat freely of every tree, except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For in the day that you eat of it, God says, you shall surely die. Then, in a display of his creation, God brings the animals before Adam to see what he would call them. Through this process, Adam realizes that none of them are comparable to him. He alone bears the image of God. As he is thinking on these things, he falls into a deep sleep. While sleeping, God takes out of Adam's side and forms the first woman. When Adam wakes and sees her, he says, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. And they were both naked with no shame. Though God had provided them the perfect life, a tempter was in their midst. The father of lies comes as a crafty serpent and convinces the newly married couple to partake of the forbidden fruit. At that moment, their eyes are opened. Now subject to full exposure, they hastily cover themselves with homemade garments of fig leaves and attempt to hide from their loving father. But nothing is hidden from God. Sin has now entered into the creation and God shows them the price for it, death. Before their very eyes, he slaughters an animal. The blood is for the covering of their sins and the tunics of flesh is for the covering of their skins. On top of this, they are cut off from the life giver. God drives them out of the garden away from the tree of life and Adam is now forced to plant his own garden in the now cursed ground. Both spiritual and physical death began that day. Indeed, after 930 years on earth and after fathering Cain, Abel, Seth, as well as other sons and daughters, Adam returned to the dust from which he came. Though Adam was literally the son of God, because of his fall into sin, a second Adam, a second son of God, would now be required to restore our lost relationship with our Creator. You know, it's really an unfortunate end. Adam was never meant to die. None of us were. But because he disobeyed God's only command, it changed everything. Now there was separation from God and death entered into the creation. Now a second Adam would be required, a restorer of the breach, and all because Adam decided to stand idly by while his wife was being deceived. He ignored God's command rather than confronting Eve and the lies that Satan was spewing. A very important lesson here is that we need to always put the word of God over any man, woman, or anything. God's words must have total authority. Paul treated it that way, and so should we. And God's word tells us that we all have a very real sin problem and that only Jesus can make us righteous before a holy and a righteous God. Come to him today with an open hand and an open heart and you will be saved. And you might want to say, how do I do that? But the answer is really simple. Uh, you simply pray and ask the Lord and say, Lord Jesus, I want to come to you today. Forgive me of my sin. Help me. I need you. Be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. We pray that the, the prayer of faith, and God activates on that prayer of faith our gift of eternal salvation. So that's very important. Pray that prayer and come to Jesus today. Janice? And with that prayer, if you really mean it, there will be a difference. Christ makes a difference. All of a sudden, it's like the light has come on inside of you. And God's Holy Spirit will dwell within you, and He will be your helper. As you read through the Bible, as you follow the Lord Jesus Christ, He will help you, He will teach you, and He will keep you close if you truly mean that. And it's not an easy walk. It's, it's a difficult walk, 
but it's the best walk that you will ever, ever take. The key verse here for me in Romans chapter 5 is 1 and 2. It says, therefore, having been justified by faith, Rod just talked about it, receiving the Lord Jesus by faith, believing that he is the Son of God, that he came and died on the cross, shed his blood to pay the cost of our sin, and then three days later rose from the dead in the flesh that brings us the gift of eternal life. It says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. It's amazing that we can have peace. We can have peace in the midst of trials and tribulations, and we will. We will have difficulties in this life. Nobody goes through life without having problems storms. But here's the difference. You can do it on your own, or you can come to Christ, as some of you have in following the prayer that Rod did, and and be transformed to, to live a different way, that the, you're not going through these storms by yourself. You can be helped by God in the midst of trouble. We can have a peace that the world doesn't have. I can get peace from different, I can go on a vacation. I could go and sit in a room and be quiet, read a book, put nice music on and have peaceful moments talking about a different peace. I'm talking about a peace that comes for my future because I know who holds that future. And that is God. I can have peace because I know the foundation that I'm building my life upon. God and his word isn't going to shake, isn't going to rattle when the things all around me in this world, and we see that a lot right now, don't we? Things just seem to be unraveling. Well, God doesn't unravel. His word never changes. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So that is the difference that we have. And it talks later on about the further things that we will go through in life, and one builds upon another as we follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Just want to say thank you for the gifts that you have given during this time. We're going to have to make some decisions very soon about stations that we're on because we pay airtime. And uh, so if you feel that you want to help us and join us, I would encourage you to do so. We do need your help. And Father, I pray today that you would be with everybody who is struggling and going through a difficult time at this moment in life. Help them, Father, as Christmas comes and all, thing, all the things are taking place. In Jesus' name, amen.